Hello, everybody, and welcome back to My Life is a Montage. This is the show where we talk about music and how it fits into our lives. I am, as ever, Keith Campbell, and I'm joined, as ever, by Ian Shaker. Ian, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I, I see you uh, changed the pronunciation of my name this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, you put that post up on Facebook, and I, I felt aired out. <laughs> I've uh, the funny part is I've literally known you in one form or another for probably close to 10 years now coming up on and, it. And uh, yeah, since <laughs> the unprofessional foul days. Yeah. 10 yeah. years almost. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just don't normally correct people. So uh, no, it's all good. Ian, uh, what, what have you come with uh, for us today? What fine song so, have we come up with? <laughs> oh, that was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Unintended. So, yeah, so we are going to be talking about, and for the most part, if you've listened to us, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time talking about songs that uh, connect to these great moments in my life or really, you know, poignant or or, or serious moments in my life. Um, this is not that. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be discussing She Drives Me Crazy by Fine Young Cannibals. Oh, God, here we go. Believe it or not, not a one-hit wonder. So this is off their second album, The Raw and the Cooked. It's one of two, two U.S. number one singles for the band. Uh, the other one being a song called Good Thing. This album was kind of recorded in between side projects by the band, um, which had kind of formed under somewhat acrimonious circumstances. And Ian, you'll you'll be uh, able to fill us in on the, that part of it. Um, so singer Roland Gift, who used to be uh, part of a band called The Acrylics, was appearing in movies and becoming known for his face. And um, David Steele and Andy Cox, who were the former bass player and guitar player for the English Beat, were creating dance music at the time that the second album was recorded. Um, and their, their, uh, their dance band name was Two Men, A Drum Machine, and A Trumpet. The album itself is kind of a weird little duck. It's a, mix, it's a mismatch of a whole bunch of tracks that they pulled together for... Um, soundtracks to movies there's a barry, barry levinson film that there's a couple of tracks they recorded for um i think good thing itself was for another um movie altogether and then when it came time to put it together as an album um they they shot for the moon uh they asked uh columbia records i believe it was columbia records for uh prince to, to produce it um prince was not available surprise surprise um, as, as, as Andy Cox has said, it's a bit like out asking for Elvis or Phil Spector. Obviously Prince is too busy and we're not really beautiful girls. <laughs> Love that. But it was indeed recorded at Paisley park. Um, their, their kind of house producer, David Rifkin, otherwise known as David Z, um, a, an alumni of, um, Lips Incorporated, uh, produced the, the, the album or the, the two tracks. So the two tracks they worked on at Paisley Park were um, It's All Right, otherwise known as I'm Not Satisfied, It's Okay, and She Drives Me Crazy. And I, I was going to ask, but unfortunately in pre-production, I kind of gave away the game, where you thought that the album might, where you thought that track might have been recorded. Because um, it is a bit of a departure from what the band had been playing previously. They had previously been playing kind of Blue-Eyed Soul and sticking along those lines and maybe kind of just evolving a little bit from uh, the, from their previous bands. But Ian, do you want to fill us in on 
where the band came from. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, Roland came from the acrylics, which were, uh, a, a niche band to stay, to say the least. I, I think if you are, uh, walking around humming acrylics tracks, uh, I'm going to, uh, you're definitely going to be my teammate on any kind of music trivia night. <laughs> um, but as for, as for the English beat, uh, you know, obviously if, or as known in England, the beat, the beat. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, I, I love that whole uh, side note. I love that whole era of band, uh, that new wave era or two tone sky era, uh, mm. in the late seventies and early eighties, where so many bands were coming to the U S that, uh, they had to put on, you know, the British or the English or UK at the, uh, at the end of their, at, you know, to change yeah. their names to, so they didn't match, uh, bands in the U S. Um, it was, well, then there's, quite there's a, also the, the I think outcropping it, you know, when the specials all the, break up where that, where half the band had to be known as like the special mm-hmm. AKA halfway through the, the run of two tone records. Right. Right. It, it's great. So, uh, if you don't know, uh, the English beat, uh, one of the great, I mean, really great, uh, two-tone ska bands, uh, mm. actually did actually expanded beyond, uh, two-tone ska, uh, with Dave Wakeling and Rankin Roger as their two kind of voices and, and uh, catalysts. Uh, Roger, when the band broke up, it was not a happy breakup at all. Uh, the band members have since talked, uh, <laughs> excessively about how uh it was essentially in today's terms it would be a bit like a reality tv show how it all fell apart funny enough yeah they were uh invited on to the 2004 uh vh1 show bands reunited and they were unsuccessful in reuniting that band yeah they they are uh dave wakeling fun fact uh dave wakeling actually ended up uh kind of uh setting down roots in uh redlands california which is about 10 minutes from where i grew up oh wow in southern california and he's been living there as to my knowledge still lives there uh but was living there from the early to mid 90s uh until at least the early at least the aughts in the 2000s uh playing a lot of small shows and just kind of you'd see him at you know you'd see him at target stuff like that uh rankin roger has gone his own way obviously the two of them broke off uh after the after the beat and uh created general public uh but they they definitely moved more away from the ska sound in that and ended up uh, having a really uh, a really good run with songs like Tenderness and Save It for Later and things like that. Um, but, you know, English Beat were a, if you were growing up in the early 80s, uh, English Beat were definitely one of those bands that you wanted to be around and wanted to hear and wanted to know. And so the fact that Fine Young Cannibals and General Public came out of that is uh, something to be said for the talents of the guys in that band. So, as far as the actual sound of it was recorded at Paisley Park, it really fits in. I mean, you've got the um, like the really brittle, dry, distorted guitar that wouldn't be out out off place on 1999. Um, there's the really, really echoey drum uh, track, which again, you know, Paisley Park home of the Lindrum. 
Mm. Funnily enough, though, it's this is so far beyond the the basic, like what everyone knows the Lindrum sound to be. So <laughs> let's let's go into <laughs> this. This is where I kind of wish we we did record this to video so that I could uh, <laughs> do some real cheap animation to to illustrate exactly <laughs> how this was done. <clears throat> so David Z records the snare yeah. drum completely separate. He put a speaker on top. He put a speaker on top of the snare drum, microphone below it. So he records the snare drum first, then plays that part back through the speaker and re-records the snare drum popping through the snare drum into the microphone. Um, so then, oh, that's how they got that kind of crap snare sound. Yeah. So he, as he said, I did not know that he, he took the head off a snare drum. And started whacking it with a wooden ruler, recording it through mm-hmm. the SM57. Then he's then he messes around with the EQ just to where it's starting to crash. Blended that with the Lin snare. Um, took all that sound, popped it through another snare drum, added just a little touch of reverb after that. So you end up with that kind of like woodblock Lin drum, like only in the late 80s could you ever come up with this sound sound but it's you know it's exactly the kind of thing that was going on at, at paisley park yeah I've, I've talked previously about you know the effect of a good producer and a lot of that you know I've, i was thinking about this and you know thinking about how apt it was to know you know once i heard once i read that this was a paisley park track I said, oh of course of course it is and there's, you know, Paisley Park is up there with those certain buildings like um, like Muscle Shoals, like the Hit Factory, like Hitsville, like Electric Lady, like Abbey Road, that like everybody, you know, can place themselves in. And it's not the exact same sound, but there's similar sounds that resonate through it. I mean, a more modern example of that, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with the work that Sturgill Simpson does. Um mm-hmm. So his last, I guess, two albums, because he released them separately, uh, were just bluegrass recuttings of the rest of his catalog. But he did it at John Prine's old studio. And just like, it's, it's the last music that's ever mm-hmm. been recorded there. And it's, it's the combination of the players, but like the magic of the building. And it's, you know, from just saying, oh, yeah, he just went back and recorded all of his tracks, doesn't begin to, to sum up like, the, the feeling of listening to that stuff. Yeah, I, I can totally, I can totally see that. I, I've, there's a, oddly enough, I have a distant Paisley park connection too. Oh. Um, I, I'll, I'll throw this in. Uh, so the first newspaper I ever worked at, uh, I, one of the fellow copy editors, uh, his sister uh, is, is, I believe is, but definitely at the time, uh, was married to, uh, Jimmy jam. And okay. so we would, uh, yeah. So we would occasionally, uh, get, uh, you know, get an audience for, uh, 38 <laughs> seconds with, uh, Mr. Jam as we called him. Uh, and so, yeah, but I mean, you, you heard, so I paid a lot of attention to that, uh, that kind of sound factory that came out of, that came out of Minneapolis. And you definitely, it's funny cause I didn't know it was recorded at Paisley park, but now that I'm thinking about it and listening to the song back in my head, 
I'm going, Oh yeah, I can totally hear. Yeah. I can totally hear the, the, the there's like, it's almost like there's a strategy, uh, you know, a basic fundamental strategy that, that occurs with music that comes out of these places. Yeah. So, so now, now that we fun. know where it fits in the career of the band, um, where does it fit in your montage? It, it is kind of hilarious to me that we're speaking about it in terms of this incredible story of how both the band and the song come together because it is a song that I hate with the passion of a thousand suns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I just can't, I, I, ugh. I hate the song, but the reason I hate the song is for where it fits in my montage. Uh, this was, it, it, I, I actually spoke about this with a friend of mine who uh, just also grew up in Southern California. If you were in college in the, especially the early nineties, eighties before that, but the early nineties uh, drinking age in California, in California, obviously is 21. The drinking age in Tijuana, Mexico is only 18. So mm-hmm. we used to, my, my, uh, my, my buddies and I used to drive down probably three or four or five times a year, uh, five times a year, uh, for those first couple of years before we all started turning 21. And, uh, the way it worked is it was an hour and a half drive down there. We would walk across the border. Uh, we would head into, uh, uh, Revolution Avenue, and we would go through all the clubs. Uh, I'll tell I, I could talk about this for an hour, <laughs> but I won't. Long story short of it is uh, at 1 a.m., we would draw straws, and whoever drew the short straw had to sober up enough to drive us all home at the end of the night. <laughs> so, uh, one of the trips, I was the short straw. We mm. began, and that was a particularly raucous uh, night for us. We began driving my uh, Chevy Corsica back to my 1988 Chevy Corsica back to San Bernardino, California. And on the way, my really extra drunk friends decide that we need to get food. I was hungry. So we stop at the Denny's in Escondido, California. And we all walk in and my friends are loud and raucous and it's, you know, four 30 in the morning and I'm the only one who's drunk. And so I'm kind of grumbling and surly as we're walking <laughs> to our table while they're all laughing. watching everybody and, go off the rails. Uh, yes. Yes. And so we order our food and uh, let's just say that there were a lot of really inappropriate things said loudly. And we get to the point where we have ordered the food and the drinks have come and the food's about to come and one, you know, food comes and the waitress just kind of looks at us and I, I'm so sorry. And the waitress walks away and the guys are all just pounding their food. And one of them says, Oh yeah. Um, uh, Ian, uh, can you spot me for this? And I said, I've got enough for me. That's it. And so he looks over at Roman and Ryan and and everyone starts looking at each other going, "Um, do you have any money? Do you have any money? Do you have any money? And everyone had used their allotted cash for the evening on drinks and other assorted things. 
So we have this like $65, $70 bill at Denny's and nobody has any money and they all stop eating and look at me and I scream in the middle of the Denny's, well, why the fuck did we come here if nobody had any money? So I, I actually paid for the whole bill. We get up and leave. And <laughs> the first song that comes on when we get in the car, when I am just steaming at my friends <laughs> is fine young cannibals. They, she drives me crazy. And my friend Roman decides to sing the song as it's on with, uh, he drives me to TJ and gets pissed <laughs> off. He buys us food when we don't have any money. And it doesn't fit with the lyrics, but he will still sing it to this Man, day. He buys me Denny's was right there. <laughs> yeah. So, so I can hear anytime I hear that song, it like triggers me back to that moment where I'm like, fuck Denny's. And so, uh, I hate that song. I hate that song so much. Did you ever but, get any revenge? Uh, let's just say yes. <laughs> 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 let's just say I, I you know as an adult i'm able to look at that and say you know i had a couple of nights where uh yeah i i've more than made up for that but mm. but you know it wasn't any fun young cannibal songs that have been ruined forever just, you know that's what happens that's what happens when you go to a commuter college and you're that close people always talk about southern california oh you're an hour from the beach you're an hour from the mountains and when you're, you know, when you're 19 years old and want to get wasted, it's you're an hour and a half from another country. So that's, uh, that's how it was. Obviously a time when yeah. so, it was a lot easier to get through. It, yeah. I actually, uh, I had this discussion with my two, uh, with my 20 year old stepson and my 20 year old son. I said, you guys have, I mean, I, you, I feel bad for you. You've got it so difficult. My son goes to school in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he's talked about going across to Canada, but he hasn't been able to since he's been up there for school. Right. And I said, yep, we just walked across and didn't, yeah. didn't, have a, didn't have to show a passport, didn't have to show anything. And it was just a different time. Yeah. Now, I, I, took, I took a long train ride but, uh, one spring break to Montreal for exactly that reason. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's also, you know, it is, uh, I'm not saying that I'm proud of the things that I did, but my God, we had a good but time. But they're the things that you Except did. for that night. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. Has, has now, learning the song? So now uh, in my head, I hear my friend Roman. He drives. Has <laughs> <laughs> learning the song's story. It actually kind of even fits more for me. Because of the debauchery that happened at Paisley Park so often, okay, and because you know, I think about the uh, the acr the acrimonious relationship between the members of English Beat, okay, <laughs> <laughs> the, and the follow the follow up question obviously is, am I still friends with these people? And I am still friend I am still friends with two of them. Yeah, well, as you I, said, you I still will, Roman still I, sings that they song were in my, every now and again. Yes, I well when when this podcast goes up, I will post it on social media, and he will laugh and he will mock me as soon as it, as soon as he sees it. So, fuck you, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> Roman, 
we thank you for this story. Uh, and with that, everyone, we hope that all of your montages oh, play to sunlight. Thank you for listening to My Life as a Montage. I've been Keith Campbell, joined by Ian Shaka here. Our intro and interstitial music has been Funny Animals by Crowander. It was found on freemusicarchive.org and is being used under Creative Commons. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.